guys um welcome back to the concrete diaries i am your host carlisa simone and this week's pick is grown-up pose by sonia lolly so let's get right into our for the worm segment Okay, so Sonia Lali is a writer of Indian heritage. She studied law in her hometown of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and at Columbia University. I know I just butchered that. I'm so sorry. In New York City. She completed an MA in creative writing and publishing at City University of London in 2015. She loves to cook, travel, and practice yoga. She lives in Toronto with her husband. Some other works that she has done that I know a lot of y'all are familiar with because it was on the bestsellers list is The Matchmaker's List and Serena Singh Flips the Script. Okay, so it says a delightfully modern look at what happens for a young woman when tradition, dating, and independence collide. From acclaimed author Sonia Lali. Adulting shouldn't be this hard, especially in your 30s. Having been pressured by her tight-knit community to get married at a young age to her first serious boyfriend, Anu Desai, is now on her own again and feels like she is starting from the beginning. But Anu doesn't have time to start over. Telling her parents that she was separating from her husband was the hardest thing she's ever done. And she's still dealing with the fallout. She has her young daughter to support. And when she invests all of her savings into running her own yoga studio, the feelings of irresponsibility send Anu reeling. She'll be forced to look inside herself to learn what she truly wants. By the way, you can find Sonia Lolly on Instagram, Twitter, and her own website called sonialolly.com. Okay, so this book has such a beautiful cover. I love it. You can literally see her um, do a yoga pose as two of the two most prominent women in her life is standing on beside her, looking at her side-eyed. And this book has 35 chapters. And each each is about like, like six pages. They're short. Six to eight pages. They're really short. And they do this is a book that varies from like flashback to present day so it does flip-flop every other chapter to see what caused this sort of dysfunction and then it flips back to the fallout of the present day instead of reading this book from my epub i actually downloaded an audio audiobook on audible and I listened to it so here's my thing with audiobooks in general yes it is quick it's easy you know you can multitask while listening to the book and you literally have somebody read it to you here's the aspects I don't like about audio is that It feels weird not actually like having something tangible in my hands to look at, like look at the words on the page. And it kind of mess up how you picture the characters in your mind. You know how when you're reading, it's like a movie going on in your mind and you're like, this is how the character would sound like. This is how they would look like. But with audio, it's like it's already predetermined for you and I don't I don't really fancy that like you don't really have as much control over the plot slash story than you do with a physical book another thing that I don't like about audio is that the narrator's voice sometimes could be like 
throwing you off. Even though this one did a fairly decent job, like I love the emotion that came through her voice, the way she switched up accents, and it was way faster than actually reading the book, which I needed. So, okay, after all that is said and done, here are my initial thoughts on the book. Not my favorite at all. Like, I was going to take up the matchmakers list, but I kind of wanted to read a book that I wasn't biased about because I already like read up the reviews on the matchmakers list. I kind of already had an idea going in how it would be like. So I took up grown up pose instead. Now, this book was a literal mess. I'm talking on catastrophe level of Grey's Anatomy. That foolishness. I'm talking about how the main characters, they all piss me off for different reasons. I don't know how I got through this book. If it wasn't for the audiobook, this is how it comes out clutch. I would have stopped reading long time. I'm sorry. Like, I really tried with this book, but the irritation was just, (laughs) was just on so many levels. I cannot stand this book. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Okay. So I'm here thinking from chapter one, this would be a very interesting, decent read because literally from chapter one, you get right into the plot. They do start off with unnecessary, like, background. That's one thing about this author. I can tell she's another one that loves to give the backstory of every little thing. And with extreme detail that sometimes isn't really necessary to get to the plot. And also, I can't stand the amount of flashback present day flashback present day because I did not see the purpose in the flashbacks I don't really think it aided to the book like I don't think it really did anything matter of fact this whole book just had a tone of whining and poor me that literally wanted me to like rip off my ears because I could not stand it anymore. Especially when you're having an audiobook and they're reading this to you and they're they're taking the tone of the script basically to a T. It just it just adds to the frustration that you feel. Let me get into these characters, right? So you have a news parents, her daughter, a news separated husband, his mother, then her friends. Let's get into these characters. First up, you have a new or a new Shah for longer. She is modern day Meredith, Meredith Gray from Gray's Anatomy. She's very like, this is her midlife crisis sort of thing where she's sitting down and she's looking at her family and she's like, I don't want this anymore. Like, I'm not happy. And that was great to see. Well, not great, but like, it was interesting to see how it was her who left her husband or who separated from her husband because she was no longer happy. She was like, I'm tired of following traditional Indian norms. I'm tired of having to be the one to stay at home and cook and clean and take care of not one, but two kids. Two kids, what I mean is including her husband because it seems as though he's defenseless at that time. And having to follow her parents, not only her parents, but his mom, which (laughs) I can totally understand, is so interjecting themselves 
in their day-to-day lives. For example, (laughs) they live nearby them because they wanted them to instead of living at the place of their dreams, they said, you need to live here. So they abide by that. They got married at 23 because their parents says, you need to officialize this relationship. You can't just be dating. They didn't even date nobody else but themselves. Like, they didn't explore nothing, just themselves. They had to settle down at 23. Okay. Five years later, they had their first daughter. Okay. Then, what else? So, let me think. Okay. So, after, like, (laughs) them interjecting themselves in their lives to say, you can't do this, you can't do that. They didn't even have sex before marriage. And... It's just mind-blowing. I totally understand, especially in black and brown communities, we're so close-knit with our family. But this just took close-knit to a whole other level. And I understand, like, that's a part of Indian culture. But my God, literally every day you're seeing your parents. Every day they're saying something of like, oh, you... You have to knock out this wall or, oh, these are tips to better your marriage. Like, interjecting themselves in the relationship. And I can understand why she got fed up and was like, damn it all to hell. But I'm going to get into a little later of why she was problematic. Let's talk her husband. Anu. Okay. So, they met at university. Well, that wasn't the first time that they met. They met... A little bit later at a party that her parents hosted or something like that. So he was like a family friend of a friend. But they later connected at university. Now, this man, apparently he is tall and handsome and da-da-da-da. But here's, side note, this is what I'm talking about, right? I just told you the author goes into extreme detail to set the scene. But the things that she needs to be detailed about, like how does a new look? How does she look? Um, what's her day-to-day life? Like setting the characters, she doesn't do it. And I'm just, I was kind of confused because if you're telling me like how green the grass was, but you're not going into the person that's standing on top of it. That's just, I feel like a waste of time to me. Anywho, back to Anu. So he's smart. He's such a great guy, like a teddy bear. George O'Malley type. Like so sweet, so considerate, very mature, but... When it comes to partnering with his wife to take care of their daughter, to run a household, very lazy. That's where he showed, like, stands up short, is that he's very lazy on his duties and he can get away with it because he's babied and princed by their parents. Like, oh, they're more harder on her to run the household, to do everything, and not on him, when it should be, like, a partnership. And that's why I always, like, why are we so much harder on the women? Like, all men have to do is, quote-unquote, provide, and we have to do everything else. Okay, but homegirl was working, and she was taking care of Kanika, that's their daughter, and she was running a household, It's too much. She never had a life for her own. And then it's like every time she was like, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And she got fed up. And he wasn't, they weren't passionate anymore. It's like he lost interest. She always looked to her parents' relationship or marriage as inspiration of how loving they are, even after all these years and how on top of each other they are. And... It was like he was cold and distant and 
didn't even like if it wasn't about the bills or you know life for Kanika, he was not interested in her and so I can understand why she got fed up because homeboy was just there you know he was just there let's get into their parents now his mom sweet lady sweet lady that she is but they're inseparable and not in a good way we're taking mama's boy to the next level and we understand later on why that is why they're so inseparable but it becomes problematic when she's constantly interjecting herself into the marriage and because a new knew how i want to say what's the word i'm looking for because she knew how close they were she didn't want to be disrespectful to their relationship and she followed every request to a T and it still wasn't enough. It was only until they were separated that even more his mom grew like more of a bitch, really. Like it was just it was it was just problematic. It was too much. I could never I could never have somebody's mom telling me how to run a marriage like that and the fact of the matter is he didn't not stand up for her not once he constantly chose his mother over her that I'm like why don't you marry her then on the real why don't you marry her then because I don't see the point in all this her parents now her parents are old school She had to be the good Indian girl like she loves to reiterate and did everything that they said, followed the life plan that was laid out to her. Instead of being a yoga instructor like she wanted, she went to school to study to be a nurse like they wanted her. Instead of living where she wanted, she had to live by her parents instead of... Taking this job or studying abroad, she had to stay home. And again, you don't want to be disrespectful, but we're talking about a grown-ass woman right now. And even when she was dating people, she had to lie to her parents because she knew that they would disapprove. Grown-ass women in her 30s and still hiding from mommy and daddy. And so many times she would be like, oh, it's because I'm Indian. Indian, you wouldn't understand. And so many of her friends would be like, No, no, grow up, grow the fuck up. In the book, the author referred to them as Carrie from Sex and the City, like that friend group. And I can see that. I can definitely see that. Her two best friends, Jenny and Monica, Jenny is the more bold, outspoken, tell like it is, don't know when to stop type. And Monica is like the buffer because Jenny and and Anu is always at head to head because Jenny always tells her what she doesn't want to hear and vice versa. Monica's there to buffer and to tell them to get their heads out of their asses, really. I love their friendship. You rarely see real friendships like that. And they always told her the truth or what she didn't want to hear. Like, oh, quote unquote, you're boring. Like, you need to get a life. Like, you need to stop hiding from your parents and tell them that you're dating this person and stuff like that. Now that I kind of went down of the character's Again, I want to say this book was like a giant wine. Yes, the inner musings and her experiences, but I did not see the character development at all. Like, just when I started to see that she was living a little, she reverted back to her old ways. No character development, not really a climax. It The whole story was just stagnant. 
I cannot. She starts off by separating from her husband because she's unhappy with her life and she moves out and she wants to go around the world and do what she said she wanted to do when she was younger and she wanted to date around and yes, she went off the rails a little bit, you know, trying to find her way. Okay. So what she, (laughs) so what she dated this man and hid him from her parents, punched him, accidentally dated um, a minor, well, not dated, kissed a minor. Um, what else? Had, uh, what's, what's the term again? Had a one night stand, um, smoked weed, drank, went on a, went, went to buy a whole yoga studio to run her own yoga studio, stood up to her parents, like, okay, these are great things. After everything was said and done and all that rah, rah, rah shit, she literally went back (laughs) to her old way. So I was like, what was the point of all this? Truly, what was the point of all of this? Constantly, she's like, I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. She goes to try to change it. She doesn't like what she sees. She goes back to the same old thing. Same old thing. So what was the point? of the story truly and the amount of times the amount of times they talk about what being a grown-up means and to grow up and she's trying to find the answer to that question of what it means to be a grown-up and all this other stuff and at the end of the day she still doesn't know I mean we all don't know but like again what was the point of all of that what was the point of posing the question and coming up empty. I don't know what to what it means to be a grown-up. I asked my mama. She don't know what it means to be a grown-up. I feel like we just take every day by day and learn day by day. And that's it. Like, why does this have to be so deep? Literally diving in shallow water and it ain't that deep. It's not that deep. Separation really brings out the ugliness in people because when they were separated, it was like, oh, so that's how you really truly feel. The amount of disrespect <laughs> that and the hypocrisy. When she started dating, it was like World War Three. Like, oh my gosh, we just separated. And it's like, you're a slut. You already moved on. Duh. And then when he moves on, it was like she had to be, oh, congratulations. Oh, wow, that's nice. She's the one who broke up with him and separated from him, but yet still she's feeling jealous and bitter and all the... It was just a whole bunch of mix-up, mix-up that wasn't necessary. (laughs) It wasn't necessary at all. You're feeling jealous They're both feeling jealous. They're both feeling, you know, vindictive for no reason (laughs) at all. Since I've been saying so much things that I just cannot stand with this book, I actually do appreciate the cultural aspect of it, the traditions, the meaning behind the super some superstitions and the rituals and stuff like that and even in her big age like she's learning her history herself and asking questions like taking heed and asking her elders like what does this mean what's the meaning behind this our family story and I think that's so important especially now I just saw a tweet the other day that says digital uh, digitalize your grandparents photo albums and I think that we should do that to preserve our family history you know and 
I like that they this author brought that aspect of it and included the meaning behind yoga and even going into appropriation and disrespect that is palatable when it comes to Hinduism, yoga, like even there was a scene that I loved about her going to England and she was taking a course because she wants to learn how to be a better yoga teacher before she opens up while she's opening up her yoga studio back in Toronto. So she went to England and in this class, this, this instructor was looking down on her. She wanted to take a seminar and learn. And this white woman was looking down at her and, and like, you shouldn't be here. All of that, not welcoming. Then she was putting her class at risk by really going into these poses that might end up giving people severe injuries, backache, all of this. And she was taking note of all this from customer service to the actual teaching. And then to add a cherry on top, this woman picks up a guitar while they're supposed to be meditating and closing their eyes. And as they're doing the, um... She starts singing. And so Anu realizing what she's singing, which is a, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say it's a ritual hymn from Hindu. And this woman is singing it to Coldplay. So she asks this woman, um, question, what are you singing? And of course now, the woman can't even answer. She's just singing. She says, I'm just singing a, um, a hymn or something like that. She's like, no, that's wrong. This is what you're actually singing. And then the class started kikiing. This woman was trying to charge her before even answering. Maybe if you take my seminar, I will tell you then. Like, No the hell I already know the answer and this is what I'm talking about so much people are profiting (laughs) off of our culture with the disrespect the disrespect you don't even know what you're doing and you're taking culture for poppy show like what are you doing sis like literally Hindu Images on the walls as decoration, in the bathroom as decoration. I just... So yeah, I love those aspects. I was, matter of fact, I was yelling to, as the narrator was saying it, I was like, yeah, talk your shit. So much people, we need to talk about it, put it in the books of how many people appropriate culture and don't even know the meaning behind it. There was also some some aspects, some scenes that I liked that were funny and awkward. But I wish she could have amped up the funny. I wish she could have amped up the awkwardness and changed the tone from this overbearing, whiny-esque tone that this whole book has. Amp up the funny, amp up the relatability and stuff like that, you know? (sighs) I just, I couldn't stomach it anymore. I couldn't. And the only reason why I wanted to read until the end because I wanted to give a finalized review. You never know if an author can change the course of the story right at the ending so I wanted to give a thorough review and the ending was just like the whole story disappointing just disappointing to me waste of a story really so as she's journeying through her self-discovery Two different quotes really stood out to me. One from her best friend, Jenny, and 
one from her mom. So the first one was, you know that grownups don't appear out of thin air, right? You have to actually grow. That means making mistakes anew. That's the whole freaking point. Then the second one was, you know, women in our family had to be strong. There was never a choice, but the strength always appeared in different ways. For context, the first quote that Jenny was saying is because as a new is on this quest to learn what being a grown-up is and this whole quest kind of started when her and Jenny was fighting and Jenny was like what does it act what do you think it actually means to be a grown-up and she wrote down a list and it was all boring of being a mother and being the perfect wife and being responsible and being financially dependable and all this right and Jenny called her out on it and it was like that's not that's not all that you could be. You could be so much more than that. So as she's going through this journey, and that first quote was to the end of the book, really. She still was coming up empty as what I'm what am I not doing right? I did everything that I kind of did the immature way and did everything that I missed out on, and I'm still not feeling satisfied so what am I not doing right the second quote it was by her mom Lakshmi and her mom was explaining I believe in a flashback of when she was pregnant with her daughter her mom was explaining her family history of her her grandmother and her great-grandmother Her grandmother had to take care of 26 people in one house from day up to sundown. That was her mom, always working. And the only day she rested was at her funeral. Then she talked about her great-grandmother, of how much she was a bitch and how she had to be in a family. She had to be quote-unquote strong. And it made me think, like, again, why are we so hard on women? Why do we push women to grow up so fast? Why? Why not allow them childhood? And again, culture, yes. But we see it in so many different communities is that you have to be meek. You you can't stand up for yourself. If you do, you're quote-unquote disrespectful. You can't have boundaries, which she very much needed because every minute her parents and her mother-in-law was in her life. Whether she was cooking, they were chit-chattering, chit-chattering. Oh, you need to knock out this wall. You need to do this. You need to add more spice. When she separated from her husband, you need to be a better wife. Why are you trying to break up your family? Go back to your husband. Her happiness always came last. And even her mom said at one point, you don't get to be happy. You have to be a mother. You have to be a wife. But as she's going along her journey, she realizes how BS that totally is. And it is BS. I said before that I don't care if you push out a whole human out of your uterus or you get a baby from somewhere. Your life doesn't end when you have a child. It doesn't. I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that. And a whole bunch of people think 30 is so old. Stop. Just stop. You have as much, as much life as your daughter, son, child. Like, you shouldn't have to stop living just to provide. That's what I'm basically saying. Because as I saw in this book, 
And it's true. It often leads to resentment. She resented marrying young and settling down young because she didn't have a life. And even her mom waited until she was grown up to go do what she wanted to do, which was study, get her master's. Like, I refuse to believe that you have to wait until this child is, what, 18 to 30 to go live your life? Are you kidding me? Why not change the narrative and say that we'll live and grow together? I'm learning as you're learning. I'm living as you're living. Like, your life is so much more than that. And it often gets jaded with your personality. You don't even remember who you were before you had this child. She don't even remember who she loved, what she did, what she was passionate about before this child. Because that's what she grew up thinking that she had to be. All in all, I would give this book a three out of five. And that's being a little generous to be honest I would even take it down to a 2.5 out of 5 it was just it was meh like it didn't really do anything for me I know this this has the ability maybe to touch somebody else and be their favorite book but to me it's just it's just not mine it it didn't do it for me. It didn't crescendo. It just stayed blah the whole entire time. So, and I was really looking forward to this book too, to be honest. From the cover, from the summary, like I was looking forward to this book, but I just ended up being disappointed this week. <sighs> okay, so I took a poll on Instagram to just see what you your guys' thoughts are on certain topics that comes up in this story. So for the first question, I asked, would you date a person who adores their mama? 86% of you said yes. 14% of you said no. Which was kind of, um, I was like, okay, I can understand. Maybe I should have rephrased it a little bit better. But you guys don't really mind a mama's boy. Okay. The next question is, would you date only one person, then marry that same person? 57 of you guys said yes. And 43% of you guys said no. Which was shocking. I, I, I would think that in this time, there would be more people who would like to explore their options before settling down so that was a little bit astonishing the next question which goes right into that would you like to date around before settling down 69 percent of you said yes 31 percent of you said no so i have to ask that 31 percent like we see in the story that she only dates this one person who's her first boyfriend dates and then marries that person and then ends up regretting marrying and settling down so young because she wasn't able to grow. So I have to wonder which, how would that play out for someone else? I've, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I've heard some successful stories where high school sweethearts, they've been married for like 30 odd 40 odd years but more often than not we see either divorce separation etc now this is where everybody can agree on this would you want to live with a person before marrying settling down with them a hundred percent of you guys said yes and i totally agree so many things could have been avoided or even you would have been able to adapt better if you were exposed to them during that trial period of living with that person. And it's crazy because I was just 
my mom and my family and I, we were getting into it the other day on this conversation of wanting to date around and live with the person before moving in because from my mom's generation and up, they believe that you should marry a person first before living with them. But from my family's perspective, we believe that so many problems can be avoided. So many, you can only see certain sides of somebody, but when you're living with them and you're basically like starting a life with them, you're exposed to more, more habits, bad or good, that you would have not necessarily have seen just by seeing them every other day, you know? And I would like (laughs) a test run before making that commitment because divorce ain't cheap. Divorce is not cheap. Then I asked, when you settle down with that person, would you want to live close by family? 54% of y'all said no, and 46 of y'all said yes, which is crazy to me. Personally, as much as I love my family, I know they would be like the family in this book that would constantly, especially my mama, would constantly interject themselves into my life, into my relationship, um, just in every aspect of my life. And that's not healthy. It, as much as that's just not healthy and I feel like it leads to resentment. I feel like there's no intimacy. I feel like there's too many people in this one relationship and I would not be able to function that way. So I wouldn't live by my family. I'm sorry. You're you're going to have to take that trip to me, really. And <laughs> which is shocking because I moved from Florida to New York like a whole whole states away from the south to just be my authentic self. So, I can understand that. But I was shocked that you guys said yes. 46% of you said yes. I wonder why. Like, I would love to know. The next one. So, this was my fave. I asked, what age do you want to settle down? Everybody has, as much as we shouldn't be living by no timeline, everyone has a timeline. So, here's what y'all said. I got 24, 28, 32, 30, 40, 30s. Um, One person said, I'm 26 now and I'm looking, so hopefully around 30. So the average is 30. I love that somebody said 40. I feel like when you're at 40, you kind of have your life figured out, like your person figured out. I feel like even in your 30s, you still don't know who you are yet. So I I can mesh with the 40s and I would love to like fall in love with myself first, travel by myself first, um, take off some, check some things off my list first before like settling, settling down, you know, and sharing that with a partner. 24. So the person who's at 24, it's kind of <laughs> ironic because the character in the story settled down at 23 and we see how she starts to feel resentment of why she settled down so young. She didn't have her life figured out. She didn't truly grow up yet before settling down. So this person said 24. I even got a 28. But so many people say when, even when they change, when they turn 40, I mean, not 40, 30, they still don't know what the hell is going on. A lot of us think that we should be grown up by the age of 30, but that's still young. Like, we need to change that in our head. Like, that's still young, okay? So, 
marrying at 30, I, I don't know. I mean, here's my thing, right? And this is kind of like a little bit personal, but my mama had me when she was like, what, 35, 35 or so, um, 35 or 35 to 40. So to be honest, as much as I would love to get married at 40, but if I were to have children, that's the thing. I would love to have them when I'm younger. Like the fear of growing up and having your parents who are relatively older than most people in your classes or in your circle. And even that, that generation gap of them not being able to understand certain experiences that you're going through or having certain conversations and you having to explain that to them and even the fear of them growing old is so palpable. And I even promised myself, like, if I were to have children, I would definitely have them younger. But then that's that fear of, would I be ready? Like, would I be mentally, physically ready to settle down before 30? I can understand why she did it at in her 30s. Because I feel like you have a better grasp of who you are. Um, she got comfortable by herself before. And solidified her individual identity before going into a relationship. So I can understand that. Um, it's definitely something to really think about. And I feel like at the end of the day, as much as we have a timeline, I think fate, destiny, the universe says F our timelines most of the time. And... It's just when it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens at this point. So I feel like we just have to leave it up to chance. But those are some interesting age, ages. The last, I think this is the last question. Yes. So the last question I asked is, are you waiting until marriage to have sex? And is that a personal choice or imposed on you? 86 of you guys said yes, that you are, no, 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 I lied, I lied, sorry. So 86% of you said no, that you are not waiting until marriage to have sex, and 14% of you said yes. Now, when I look at this now, I wonder, again, is that a personal choice? Like, it's okay if you want to be celibate until marriage. But I have to wonder, like, I can understand why someone would want to wait until marriage. I can. But this goes back to, don't you want to, like, test out your options before you settle down? Like, What I'm saying is, how do you know if you do or do not like something if you never tried it out with different partners? Now, I'm not telling you to have like a slew of partners. And if you do, hey, that's your prerogative. Go ahead, sis. But what I am saying is that why don't you try it out first? Test your options. Know what you like or do not like. Um, but there's also so much fear, I think, surrounding sex and so much principles and ideals that are brought upon women when it comes to sex. And sex is considered such a taboo in so many of our cultures. So I can understand when we've been beaten into when we're young, like, you have to wait until marriage, you have to wait until marriage, you have to do- wait until marriage. But Nobody tells you what happens after marriage. Okay, you wait until marriage. You can still get cheated on. You can still get separated. You can still get a divorce. You know, that's that's what I'm saying. And certain things could be could have been avoided if you experimented before settling down. But at the same time, that fear of, okay, like catching something 
from your partners, um, lower self-esteem, just so much mistakes that are tied into having sex before marriage. But personally, like, I would love to experiment before I settle down because I wouldn't want to know what I have an idea of what going into what how could I better prepare going into like a solidified relationship truly you know but on and on like you I guess you just have to trust your partners really you just have to trust your partners I want to thank everybody for (laughs) filling out this form this little poll for me it was very interesting to see and thank you so much that was very fun guys well that's all for now folks thank you for listening if you want to find more ways to support this show i'm gonna give you some three easy peasy steps one follow you can find us on twitter at diaries concrete and instagram at the concrete diaries Two, subscribe don't be shy click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Three, leave a rating and a review. You like what you hear? Well, let us know by dropping a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Your positive feedback promotes us on the platform and helps other unicorns find us. If you need something else, well, here's one thing. You can now join our Patreon. That's right, folks. We are now on Patreon. So if you want to join the TCD crew, click that link in the description. It's right there for you. For more info on all things TCD, please visit our site at www.theconcretediaries.com. As always, keep blooming from the concrete and I'll see you in the next one.